think I was in the rainbow parking lot and I just you know, left and drove to Bernal Heights and met her at 231 Cortland Avenue. And there was no walls or anything, but it was a corner space. And I just kind of imagined it. That was Pinhole Coffee owner, Joellen DePakekipo. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. In this podcast, Joellen picks up where she left off in part one with her move to San Francisco. She started working at Blue Bottle in Hayes Valley right away. The company sent her to New York City to open some new cafes there, but after a year, she decided to come back. While resuming her work at Blue Bottle here, she started to put together a business plan that eventually became Penhole Coffee in Bernal Heights, which, by the way, is open during Shelter in Place. Here is Joellen. I woke up that one morning, I remember, in April 2006. I moved to San Francisco, so it was becoming a, a, an actuality, a reality. Um, so I let intelligentsia know that I was leaving. Um, and then someone that works at the roastery at Intelligentsia was like, well, there's this little coffee shop that's operating out of a garage. You should apply for it. Um, so I was still in Chicago and I just, I think they didn't have a website and it was just a Yelp page that they had. Mm -hmm. It was for Blue Bottle. They had like 20 reviews and I think Yelp also was pretty new at that time. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> um, so I got the contact information and emailed them and just said, if you guys are hiring, I'm moving to San Francisco with some coffee experience. And then a few weeks later, I got a call from James Freeman, who was the CEO of Blue Bottle. You know, I think they weren't as organized back then, and he was just, um, saying that they didn't, they wanted to hire more females, of course, because I think it was just a male dominated mm -hmm. company at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were operating farmers markets at that time. They were looking for someone to lead that, uh, and work it. Um, so yeah, that's what they hired me for that position. I mean, there's a longer story behind all that too, but <laughs> you don't you... have to get into it. <laughs> If it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I should mention too, there was someone else that was getting hired around the same time. His name's Jared Morrison. And um, they ended up giving that manager position of the farmer's markets to him. And then Blue Bottle was telling me that they have some wholesale accounts that are hiring that I could apply for. But then a few days after that, they called me back and said, we need more help with the farmer's markets. Um, but Jared Morrison is now the CEO of Cyclass Coffee. Oh, right. So we were work we were hired at the same time, <laughs> fighting there's, for that position. <laughs> there's totally, I mean, uh, like I know of, in addition to Pinhole and Cyclass, like aren't there, th there's like a handful of coffee yeah. shops that have kind of spawned it's amazing. out of it, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's countrywide, like Tandem Coffee is one they're in portland maine mm -hmm. um and just a bunch of others but yeah it really i think that really speaks to what blue bottle was doing yeah. right so jared um, morrison was employee number seven i was employee number eight 
Wow. So how was it? You show up on your first day, like what? It was really interesting. As I said, they weren't as organized, I think, back then. So my interview was, I just had to make James. He asked me to make him a shot of espresso and a cappuccino, I think. <laughs> like a test. You're so like, I, I already work yeah. here, weirdo. So I just made him espresso and cappuccino, not really knowing their beans or anything. But mm-hmm. he basically hired me on the spot after that. Um, and I was like, okay, that was pretty easy. <laughs> so it wasn't really a verbal interview with it or anything, but uh, they were expanding their farmer's market program. So I kind of, I think in a few days after that, I just worked the farmer's market. Oh, okay. So, so um, I kind of just was thrown into it. So did you spend much time working at Linden or? I, it was, it was, um, I was doing both. So I was doing Got farmer's it. markets and then the kiosk. Got it. Um, it as the kiosk. Right. I yeah. know from some experience many years after where, what you're talking about, um, at least, that there's like, there's a pretty tight community of regulars. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, was and that. Still ar- friends, yeah. Was that already kind of happening? Back when yeah. you started, yeah. I mean, when I was starting there, there's there was definitely a group of people that would meet every morning, hang out across the street, uh, and I think they all are, or most of them are still pretty much friends, which is really amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, Hayes Valley itself has changed so much, and so much. Um, so that was a really special time there, though. It also was the time when Blue Bottle wasn't as big and the lines weren't as crazy. So we had time to talk to people. Right. Yeah. Take us through the rest of your time with Blue Bottle, if you don't mind. Yeah, so it was such a small company that I felt like they were, um, that I was starting to wear a lot of different helmets Mm -hmm. and I was getting promoted pretty fast with things. And I think mainly because... That was pretty young then, I think, mainly because no one wanted those positions and mm-hmm. there was only eight employees. So, and I was very willing because I was just open-eyed and just really liking what I was doing and wanting to help out as much as I can. But I became the catering manager and then um, they needed someone to run the kiosk. So I started managing the kiosk. Oh, wow. Sometimes I was doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they started expanding and opening up more locations like Mint Plaza, Ferry Building, MoMA. And those were all kind of happening at the same time. Um, so I was just kind of going with the flow of it all. And then at one point I was managing two locations. They opened a new cafe in Oakland and I was still managing in San Francisco and Hayes Valley. Um, and then, you know, a few years passed and I was just kind of, I think I was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just needed a change. Mm-hmm. An opportunity came up um, for New York. They were expanding in New York. And oh, wow. Coming out there. So uh, I was offered a position to do uh, retail managing out there. So I moved. <laughs> Wow. I mean, that was okay. kind of fast, but. <laughs> was that open? Did you open the shop in New York? Not initially. I think they started expanding in 2010. And I moved down in 2011 to help with their further expansion. Okay. Which was Chelsea, Rockefeller, Tribeca. 
So I was there for one year and I think that's what really helped me um, grow as a person and also give me the confidence to do my own thing. Yeah. So, um, New York is no joke. Yeah. We don't have to go into too much depth about your time in New York. Um, but what was it that brought you back? I initially moved to New York, even though I was given that job opportunity, I was going to New York. I was supposed to go with someone else, my Mm -hmm. significant other of that time. Mm -hmm. That person ended up not moving with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that really broke my heart and I was mm-hmm. just really just dealing with self strengthening and just finding my individualism again. Mm-hmm. Um, and New York of course was really great for that. Cause I kind of just didn't have a choice to strengthen besides just staying down and being sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, eventually, I was given the opportunity to come back to San Francisco because the uh, person in my position in the Bay Area was going on maternity leave and someone needed to fulfill her position. Okay. I should also mention that she's now my sister-in-law. Oh, wow. (laughs) Crazy enough. Um, So that uh, is your nephew or niece? uh, She's my sister-in-law. But the baby that she went on maternity leave for? Oh, the baby is my nephew. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it all worked um, out. So I think I, I think I never really wanted to be in New York, and I just happened to be there as a stepping stone. I think for what the universe put out for me was that I needed that for strengthening, mm-hmm. um, with all that sadness and all that. So I never really wanted to move to New York and that opportunity in the Bay Area came up mm-hmm. and I just I decided to move back to the Bay Area. So did you come back to San Francisco? Right I did come or? back to San Francisco. Um, I lived in the Laura H. One of my best friends moved out of her apartment and her roommate was looking for a roommate and it all was you know it just all coincided with each other. So what kind of role was it that you were filling in for your analysis? uh, It was managing the retail managers. Okay, was that that an office job or? It was mainly meeting with all the different managers at the different locations individually or at a group meeting and things like that. Mm -hmm. And was this, so what year would this have been? This is 2012. So I lasted in New York for one year. And so I should also mention that I was working on my business plan for like five years before I actually opened mm-hmm. and Blue Bottle was aware of that. And I've met with James Freeman, you know, at that time just for advice and things like that. So they were always aware of my idea of wanting to do my own thing. And it was, it was great. And I always felt open to, to being open about my um, intention. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped a lot with my resources. You didn't have any kind of like entrepreneurial or business owner history up to that point. Where do you think this came from? So I think wearing all those different hats at Blue Bottle really helped me um, just kind of form my ideas for my business, business plan. It's kind of like seeing the pros and cons of what I was already doing. <laughs> And I really was just, I think I had a Google Doc and I just made notes of just 
ideas that I wanted to manifest. Mm-hmm. Pros and cons of things that worked out layout wise and whatnot. Um, but it's true with the small business aspect, I didn't really have much knowledge. Um, but working but, with vendors and things like that, I already had connections just from my blue bottle um, resources. Was it scary? It was definitely scary, but I think also being really open with what I want to do. And this is, to, I was pretty open about it with my friends and things like that. Mm-hmm. Eventually, someone just approached me. His name is Bob Rosner. And he said, if you ever need help with anything, let me know. We believe in you. And um, he said his friend Rick Holmstrom also would be interested in um, helping me open Pinhole Coffee. So they've kind of been um, my business partners since the very beginning. And I think nice. that really helped in many ways. Yeah, that'll get you some confidence, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> before that, I really was trying to do it on my own. I actually mm-hmm. was going to move back to Chicago and. Oh, wow open pinhole coffee in Chicago so that mm-hmm. there was almost a pinhole coffee Chicago. Um, but that was just me using my own funds and not really understanding how permits worked and just all that stuff. So moving back to San Francisco, it just felt right. And I had the people to guide me. Well, I for one am glad yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not in Chicago. Maybe yeah. someday. Um, uh, so you did you already have the name Penhole, and where did that come from? I remember one of my good friends, Jill Tolfa, said we should just make a list of things that you like, and then. Uh, so I think that you know she worked at Blue Bottle at the time too, and we just had a notebook individually of just things, and we meet up for lunch and just pick out a word from our notebooks from our notes, and then just say it out loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. So pinhole is one of them because I really enjoyed pinhole photography. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my old bosses, bosses from Chicago tourism is Emily Long and she was a pinhole photographer. So she introduced me to the concept. Mm-hmm. So we said pinhole coffee. Oh, that works. And it just stuck. Um, another friend gave me the advice that you want to pick a name that you wouldn't mind hearing a hundred times in a day. So, and that's true. After six years, it's very, very true. <laughs> that's such good advice. Oh my God. So was there, uh, was there overlap between the end of your time with Blue Bottle and opening or, or did you have time off and then open? Like how did that all work? Yeah, there was. And luckily uh, Blue Bottle was open to that idea. Um, so I ended up finding a space in Bernal Heights and, you know, I signed the lease for it. So for like three months, we were doing the build out and things like that, but I was still helping as much as I can at Blue Bottle, you know, in just all these different positions, even if it was just greasing, which was fun because it, it got me to just still stay in the game of making coffee and connecting right. with people. Right. Um, and then they let me just say whenever I was ready to leave to let them know. That's so, so cool. So they've always been very, very supportive. Nice. Amazing. How stoked were you when you found the spot? I was very happy. Because um, yeah. for five years, and there's more background story with that, but for five years, I was just 
I was finding spaces and they would fall through last minute. And of course it made sense because I didn't really know what I was doing prior to, um, to actually finding the perfect spot in Bernal Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I found the spot in Bernal Heights is I was actually looking at a space in the lower Haight where I was living and I needed a plumber for one to take a look at the space. And my business partner, Bob Rosner, told me about Lauren Haynes, who is a plumber in Bernal Heights, um, who's also his plumber. Mm-hmm. And so I called her and she said, oh, I actually have a building that I want a cafe in. Um, I live in that building. What? Would you be interested in taking a look at it? And I was really set in this lower hate space because it was just very interesting and it was mm-hmm. close to where I lived. Um, but I, I think I was in the rainbow parking lot and I just you know, left and drove to Bernal Heights and met her at 231 Cortland Avenue. And there was no walls or anything, but it was a corner space. And I just kind of imagined it there. And it felt like a vortex, that corner. So, and then, you know, I was still going after that lower hate space, but, um, what's in, oh, what's in that, what's in that space now in lower hate? Do you know, or is anything I don't, there? well, maybe you might know. It's that one space. It's, uh, let's see, in between, is it Webster and Fillmore? What, wait, is there a Webster street there? There is. There is. Yeah, yeah. Is Webster and Fillmore parallel to each other? They are, yeah. Yes. So um, in that block, that block there's okay. a circular window. Hmm. It's, like, it's like a very interesting just circle window. There's like, isn't, isn't Kate's <laughs> Kitchen down there? I think it's more, it's further, uh, further, down. further east. And did you say so that the spot uh, that eventually became Penhole, did you say that the landlord is a plumber or she's a plumber yeah so two birds with one plumbing. stone exactly right yeah there yeah you go. yeah she's she's really amazing and um so when that space fell through in the lower hate then i was more active with wanting to make that vernal heights location work but me not knowing much about build out and things like that i got really nervous um but then i was just looking through my rolodex of just contacts and a name came up in my mind named Ben Fromagen. And uh, the Blue Bottle Kiosk in Hayes Valley, uh, above that was an architect- is an architecture firm. And he was one of the few people that would actually talk to us, talk to the baristas in Hayes Valley. And I thought of him for my project or just to understand things. And um, he became my architect. Nice. And he was just very um, he was just very amazing and um we just worked well together on a creative level uh he was just very open to my ideas and found out he was also a wood broker so a lot of the wood that's in our space was recycled material from other from other projects um but also lauren you know her being a plumber and her working on the entirety of her building she had an amazing contractor named jason codas and he also became one of the best people I could ever work with and respectful. So, so my cool. team was slowly starting to form. Mm-hmm. And so what, uh, when, did, when did you guys start in on building it out and when did you open? 
So with every city build out, especially yeah. in San Francisco, yeah. it takes time. Someone gave me the advice that you want to pick a date and then add six months after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we signed the lease in November of 2015. Um, and we couldn't really do much until certain permits were signed and, right. and whatnot, but there were some things we could do. So we kind of started doing build out, I think in February of 2014. Okay. Um, and we opened August 12th, 2000. Oh, I'm sorry. We opened September 12th, 2014. Wow. So five plus years. Yeah. Nice. Amazing years. Is there anything in those five years you want to talk about, or do you want to go ahead and talk about the reality now? So when I first opened, there's a blog called Bernolid, mm-hmm. and they announced Todd, Todd right? Todd yeah, oh, you know Todd. Yeah. Well, Todd he's Lockin. not really. Yeah, he's not really running it anymore. But it's just oh, okay. like a Facebook group, sadly. Okay. There is just for your reference. There's a new blog called Bernal Hype. Oh, someone cool. else is taking over kind of what he was doing. Cool. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, Bernal would announce we were opening and there was so much backlash as far as comments and things like that, just because mm-hmm. it was, you know, if you just look at it, at it, it's a new coffee shop and there's a lot of coffee shops in Bernal Heights already. So, mm-hmm. and people are, you know, old school there. And yeah. Um, so I, I had to stop reading the comments because they were <laughs> they weren't very supportive. <laughs> and I was kind of getting sad about it, but I think I stop just, reading the comments is good yeah. advice for everyone. Yeah, beyond <laughs> actors, don't stop read reading uh, comments and YouTube <laughs> or uh, Twitter replies. Just stop. Oy vey. I know Yelp Yelp reviews too. Oh no. <laughs> um, so I just remember that, uh, but what I would do is. Um, when we weren't opened yet, I would do little pop-ups and give mm-hmm. out free coffee mm-hmm. in our dusty, no-walled space, just yes. to get to know the community. Right. And doing that, I think having that human connection really helped solidify that our intentions were for the good. It was being opened by a mi- minority mm-hmm. as well. Um, mm-hmm. And slowly, the community started gravitating towards our corner nice. and then we opened nice uh, it, it did feel like though a lot of convincing for the first year or so right a little um it, it is one of those neighborhoods like you i think you said it's like tight-knit um mm-hmm. not not weary of outsiders but i would i would think like especially opening a business they're like yeah. what is this what's the meaning of this yeah yeah, yeah. That's funny. I, you know, living in Hayes Valley for so long, I actually didn't know what Bernal Heights was. I heard of it, but I mm-hmm. felt like people were so protective of their neighborhood that they didn't want people to come there. Right. For the longest time, I thought Bernal Heights was Daly City. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Oh, can I, I should also mention too, in 2014, when we were building out, um, Redfin announced that Bernal Heights is the hottest neighborhood in the country. I think so I remember that. So that was during that. our build out. Oh. Like, thank God we signed that lease. Yeah, I was going to say good timing. <laughs> Just wait till after we sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I remember that. Is the, yeah, did that come and go? Like, well, that was, I feel like, the first rush of just 
housing going up a lot and yeah when things became million dollars or whatever but. Mm -hmm. the dawn of that yeah cool well um you've managed to stay open five and a half years so congratulations and 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 counting i should say oh. um absolutely uh so yeah do you do you want to talk about um running a coffee shop in the time of COVID-19? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> so things were going really well and then along came this well, fucking we were, virus. We were, we were having actually a really great year where our numbers were a lot higher than prior years starting to in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it slowly became just like people were starting to talk about COVID-19 and coronavirus, um, Pinhole started taking precautions kind of on the earlier side than everyone else. Um, I think for one, just kind of being paranoid with things, but also my staff were concerned. So we slowly started taking, you know, like the condiment bar down, starting to do more um, just sanitized wiping on a regular basis and things like that. And then it was announced that we had a shelter in place. Um, so being a business owner, just kind of panic mode kicked in right. and just like all my other friends who are small business owners, we just had to kind of think of some creative ways of just how to sustain ourselves right. um, and our staff. So for like the first month that we had to be closed, um, we still paid our staff, nice. which was very important to me is just to take care of them, make sure they're being taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, and we're able to do that by uh, the community donations and things like that. Yeah. So that definitely helped us out a lot. How big um, is your staff? There's roughly, let's see, there's 12 of us actually. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's a um, very diverse group of people. Some people live in the neighborhood, some people commute. Mm -hmm. um, from other parts of the city. So, and people stay for a long time, it seems, mm -hmm. or they leave and come back, which is, I feel like I'm their mom. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's nice when they come back to mama. <laughs> um, so, so during that, the initial shelter in place, um, what were you doing with your hours? Right for me personally, I was just applying for grants and loans like crazy. Um, just kind of reading about all the different things and just understanding business more. Um, and just trying to remind myself of my intentions and why I'm doing this and right. why I want to sustain my business. So it's kind of like falling in love with my business again. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> you want to do as much as you can to protect it. And sure. it is a lot of just things in your mind of just how do you sustain this mm -hmm. in this economy right now and during this crisis right now. Has it been kind of um, like a series of adjustments? Yes. Right? Because it's, <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, every day or every week is like, what's new, what's different. And yeah. also you have to, I'm guessing you have to see how your customers react, mm -hmm. right? And it's just about safety as well. Right. It's like we could have stayed open if we wanted to, but that just didn't seem responsible for me. Um, so I started off by just updating my online store and creating a donation button and also um, preparing just like gift cards people could buy in advance. 
which was a good recommendation by a customer. Um, and that blew up really fast. Like people were very, very supportive cool. of that. And that did get me through one month, you know? Right. Um, and then as the weeks progressed, I was just like, you know, I really miss making coffee for the community. What can I do to do this, to do that in a safe manner? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought about doing the pop-ups with a very, very limited service. So I was just doing drip coffee and iced coffee and bean mm-hmm. sale. Mm-hmm. And then being there, I was like, well, I think there's a way I could do it where I could make espresso for people mm-hmm. um, and not really announce it as much uh, to not create the long lines. Cause right. it just, for me, it just it felt so irresponsible to make lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the last couple of weeks I've been doing almost a full menu, just no pastries or mm-hmm. um, drinks that take a really long time, such as pour overs. Right. And are you setting up, um, I haven't been over there, but are you <laughs> setting up the way a lot of businesses, businesses are where um, you're at the door and customers cool. don't come in or? I'm allowing one person in at the time. Um, of course, they have to wear a mask with the new mandate, but mm-hmm. also for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I ordered a sneeze guard for our register. Mm-hmm. So we have that. And then I have this huge hand sanitizer that I waited a month for. So that's right by the register. And then I'm wiping down the screens after each transaction. If People have to sign or add a tip. So it's those precautions and a lot of signage. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> have you done the um, outside? I know you said you don't want lines, but have you done the six foot? Yeah. Parking. My, my good friend, David Petrelli, who's a street artist, mm-hmm. um, he and I created rainbow arches as the six foot marks. Yes. So one of the greatest things about the uh, shelter in place and just having to be inside and things like that, um, seeing our customers and just how all of them, as well as us, we've just slowed down. And I feel like there's been so much gratitude with just slowing down where people are actually taking time to say thank you to each other. Um, and the respect has just been amazing. Um, so that's why I noticed with doing my pop-ups is just that kind of human connection with our customers, which I think people in the service industry, we always talk about um, in our inner group, just how there is that disconnect with some of our customers and just mm-hmm. um, how we are kind of different and how sometimes people don't say thank you and how it does affect us. Um, and I think during this time, I, I feel like with taking away a service that they get every day um, and it goes both ways that there's just gratitude for us to our customers. And I feel like customers have to people that, you know, make their coffees or things like that. So I I think that's a great silver lining. That was Joellen DePakakibo. Join us next week when we'll get to know San Francisco Supervisor Hilary Rogan. Music for Story at San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilpatrick. The show is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Hunt. Our website is storiedsf.com where you can browse more than 100 episodes and help support us by buying merchandise from our store. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. 
if that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Please do us a quick favor and rate and review the show. And if you have any feedback or people you think should be on the podcast, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and stay safe.